that's a hard act to follow. How many of you are glad to be redeemed this morning? You know, that's what takes us to Salt Lake City, to Harriman, Utah. There's 65,000 people, and 99% of them don't want know what it means to be redeemed. That should burden our heart, and that's why we felt led to go. And I want to come to you this morning to tell you thank you. First off, I want to tell you thank you from Awakened City Church. And I don't know if you noticed, but we got Awakened City shirts on. We're part of Awakened City Church. You're part of Awakened City Church. And they, they sent word for me to tell you thank you. Because without you, without us, there's some hopelessness there that, that can't be overcome. Kids camp couldn't happen without your support, without our support, without a team to go. And they're very thankful. We partnered with two other churches, uh, one from Harrison, Arkansas, one from Powell, Tennessee, and, and with Awakened City Church to put on kids camp. It's VBS, what we know, VBS. They don't know what VBS is, so we call it kids camp. So we helped with a, with a VBS for the week. I don't want to tell you thank you personally, church, for making it possible for a team to go and see. You're going to see from the testimonies of our team members today the difference it makes, the difference it makes. And it's not possible without your support and without your love and without your prayers. So I want to say thank you. Now, this is my fourth trip. I'm committed to it. I'm involved in it. I am on fire for it. And I think you're going to see these, these others that are going to speak this morning, this is their first trip they've been. And you're going to see how it's changed their lives and how it's changed the lives of people in Harriman, Utah. So y'all give them your attention and listen because, like I said, this is my fourth time. You don't want to hear from me anymore. But y'all, uh, I think you're going to enjoy the, what, what God's done in the lives of these others. So thank you all again, church. Okay, I want to repeat a little bit of what Glenn said. Just thank you, thank you, thank you so much to Brent for the vision and sharing it with us, to the church for what they've done for us financially by supporting us with your prayers more than anything because we felt them. Oh, my goodness, did we feel them. We walked in that first day, and they asked us what we wanted to do, and we were like, whatever you need, just tell us. Well, those of you that know me know I'm a retired teacher. I love to make things. I was in crafts all week, <laughs> so it was perfect. Uh, just the beauty, landing in Salt Lake City. I had never seen it. I'd never been to Salt Lake City. And the beauty of God's glory around us. I looked at Misty and, Dave and uh, Bill, and I was like, how can somebody not believe in God when you look at all this beauty? because man could not have done that. There's no way. Uh, the praising God with these children, that was my wow moment. 
the last day of kids camp and this is the picture that you see on the screen right now that is all our children raising those hands in praise to God and their parents didn't understand the looks on some of those parents faces was not happy but we were rejoicing with those children because they had learned during the week what it meant to love Jesus and who Jesus was and that there was somebody they could turn to regardless of what their need was thank you to Glenn he was a great leader and I'm prejudiced he's my nephew so I love him to death but uh, he he knew where to go and how to get there and what to do and he kept us focused and we needed that because the days were long and the days were hot but we loved every minute of it and when he said we're committed yep I'm already on the list I'm ready to go back uh, we're in contact almost daily with some of the people in Salt Lake City and in Arkansas as well. So we're ready. You need to get ready too because it's a blessing you'll never, ever forget. not on there we go Steve okay um, so all right so um, as Carla mentioned we sort of just showed up and they're like what do you want to do you all may not know but I also was a school teacher once upon a time and I taught grades 9 through 12 but this being a kids camp with there were littles and so they initially had put me in the fourth grade uh, fourth grade and second grade were really large groups and so each had 25 or so in them after my first midday on first day, they said, hey, we need you to go to second grade. And so I went to second grade, and um, there were, again, about 25 or so of those. There we go. All right, so this is in story time. So I was like a, sort of like we do here. We have team leaders, and we experienced everything there was to offer as there was rotation. This was story time led by a lady who and her, she and her family have moved to Utah to live there but this was a family that was from Arkansas so they're now living in Utah she's a school teacher at one of the schools where we served and it was interesting you know again you're talking about second grade or by and large six and seven year olds and y'all know I have children so my three here on the front I have Jonas and Karis who are eight and so I can mindset of a lot of these kids and what they're thinking but these children are not like my children and I'm in a negative way but these kids know and experience things that are completely foreign I need to swap mics Steve okay um, and so it was interesting Steve if you go on to the next picture later in the week we had an opportunity to meet this lady I don't remember at what point in the trip but because um, the days were long and yet they flew by at the same time but this lady's name is Sandra Tanner and she is the great-great-granddaughter of Brigham Young now I also in my job now have worked with Brigham Young Provo in Idaho as clients of mine and I used to work for a company that had an office in Provo so I'm not new to a lot of the culture and what happens um, in terms of the Mormon faith but she has uh, left the Mormon church. She'd been away for many years. Very early in Sandra's life, she uh, began to question her faith, and she and her husband on this journey of leaving the 
Mormon church, and then they've dedicated their lives. Her husband has now passed on, but they dedicated their lives to leading people out. And it's very difficult in this culture because this is normal. It's as normal as sweet tea is to you all. And so they don't question the things in the Book of Mormon, which if you, if you were to read it, it's, the Book of Mormon itself is not like crazy. Um, a lot of it's plagiarized. Um, but it's not crazy. It's, it's very normal. It's all the extra biblical things, the temple, marriage, and all that kind of stuff. But still, if that's something you've been taught your whole life, it's normal. And they're very good people for the most part. You know, the kids would take some convincing and some stern talking, but they would obey. But I want you to pray for Sandra specifically. She has a ministry in downtown Salt Lake City. She undercom uh, under she faces a lot of persecution. I'm sure she feels threats, maybe even fear at times, because um, she is in direct opposition to what is going on there. And Glenn would tell us they, um, and I'll, I'll have a picture here in a minute. We kept referring to the all-seeing eye. Um, it's it's a thing that they believe in, an all-seeing eye, and it's not God's all-seeing eye, um, but it's like they know you're here, and you could sort of feel the oppression of the culture. You could see it in a lot of the moms that would bring kids in, because I was with second grade. I was also kind of a runner, and I would sort of move between different things to be done, but remember, Sandra, we brought back between all of us, I don't know, probably a couple hundred dollars worth of books that we purchased and a lot of free material. Um, I'm sure that we could even order some free material. A lot of it is not copyrighted, so I'm sure with permission, Sandra would let us copy it. It would be helpful to you to begin to wrap your mind around what is normal culture. It's not normal for us, and it's not easy in just a little bit of time to explain that to you. Steve, if you'll go to the next one really quickly. This guy was interesting. We met him on Temple Square. He's a Mormon, um, and you'll see not my prophet. So this guy felt like his duty was to warn us of the impending danger of the current prophet of the church. So they have a prophet, they have 12 disciples, and they have something called the 70s, um, which is 70 men. I could talk for a long time about all this because it's excessively interesting. But downtown Capitol building is like a replica of the Washington, D.C. Capitol. If you've ever been to D.C., there's tunnels underground that the officials and dignitaries travel in it's the same way in Salt Lake City except it's for the church not us not members of the church but the 70s and the prophet and all of that is to protect them but this guy's mad and the reason being Steve if you'll show his other sign he believes that Brigham Young killed Joseph Smith and he's ill about it because that sort of if, if it had not come down that way if Joseph Smith had not been murdered he believes that um, the prophet would not be the pro who the prophet is today. And so he's angry, and he was warning us not to be duped by the church and the false teaching. The sad part is, is that what he believes in is also false. This guy's from Florida. He had made a trek from Florida to come and to protest what's happening because he loves the LDS church, but he's angry about the prophet and who's there. Uh, I don't have a picture of it, but side note, uh, Bill, Glenn, and I trekked to the top of this mountain, uh, 5,700 square feet up. Carrie and Carla and Jada declined. But while we were up there, we met a guy who had driven, like, I think he just got up one random day and was like, I must go. And he drove from Mississippi 
to Salt Lake City to go to the top of this mountain, and it was apparently a site where Brigham Young had received some prophecy. See if you'll go to the next one. And then this is the last picture. This one, um, this one got me. I won't tell you the name of this little guy, but this was a picture. Bill had a great idea. We played kickball with him one day, and these children didn't know what kickball was, and they didn't understand how I could possibly know what kickball was. And so we had taught them to run bases and all that kind of thing, and these kids would tell you everything, which is not very different than what kids do today. They'll attach themselves, and then they'll tell you all manner of things, um, sometimes that you wish you did not know. But I was walking around, and I was commending these children, like, you could sort of tell that maybe they weren't um, very, I don't want to say they weren't loved, but they weren't praised a lot in like their day-to-day life. And so I would say, what a beautiful picture you've drawn. And Bill had bought on this chalk and they're out there drawing these pictures. And I walked over to this guy and I'm like, wow, what an interesting picture you've drawn. Why don't you tell me about it? And he's like, well, do you see this big guy? So the big one that you see on the right. And I said, I do. He's like, this is a being called question mark, question mark, question mark. I said, wow, that's very interesting. Um, that's Tell me some more. And he's like, see the little him? And I said, yeah. And he said, that's God. I said, oh, that is very interesting. Tell me some more. And he said, well, do you see the one on the left? And I said, I do. And he said, that's a demon spirit called Siren Head. And he's in my bedroom at night. And he terrifies me. And you're just like, okay, what? is so interesting (laughs) and you're trying not to lose it and then see the big one over it he said that's the all-seeing eye and I'm like wow this guy's seven and we then went in and we went to crafts and so you've got your smiley face on and you're just trying you know not to fall apart he's like I cover myself with my blankets at night because the siren blasts. Now, I don't know what all this means. I don't know what this little fellow's going through, but he's seven. He's seven. And then we go in to do crafts, and he's making a bookmark. And he continues the same story in crafts with a different teacher. He had this little plushy guy, that he, a little stuffed animal that he would hook to his pants. And he would play with it, and he would squeeze it, and he stayed right with me. I had two or three that had sort of shared things with me again that I did not necessarily want to know. And um, I just want you to pray for this fella. I don't know what he faces, but it's not what my kids face.
well, don't tell me God wasn't there working in our assignments because I was put in the third grade class. But I had a specific assignment, and his name was Asher. And he has Down syndrome. And so those of you that know me know John, and he is my brother-in-law who has Down syndrome. So that's my little buddy for the week. And I love him so much. I asked his mom for permission to share these pictures, and of course she gave them to me. Um, I had a lot of fun with him. Uh, I was praying all week that he, his family was not LDS, but they are. And so um, I pray for him often. And he was very sweet. His favorite color is red. That's the only color we could use to do our crafts was red and sometimes he would tell me I could use my favorite color which was green and he would allow that every now and then but the most um, thing that struck me was uh, we had Bible there's him getting ready to play um, we had Bible story that was our first station of the day and so we experienced a lot of questions in Bible story that you wouldn't normally hear from the children that you're here during vacation Bible school. Everybody knows the right answers in the Bible Belt, whether they believe them or not. We're all, everyone's conditioned, we know the answers to the Bible stories. And one of our stories, we were talking about Joseph and Mary. Well, one little guy was adamant that he did not want to talk about that Joseph. He wanted to talk about Joseph Smith, because that's all that mattered. And, of course, we had to comment, combat that. And um, we faced a lot of questions about the Book of the Mormon. And you have to understand, these children were allowed to come, but they would be coached when they got home at night about what was they were taught. Um, we had one little boy that told us that his dad said that although we had the Bible there, that it was not real, it was just a copy. And I had to explain to him that just like his favorite book or the Book of Mormon, all of those are copies, but because what we had was a copy did not mean it was not the true word of God. And the pictures I want to get to next is during the last, it was the last day on Friday, we had talked about and we were going to give them the option to have the Bible, the true word of God. We were not going to force it on them. We were going to let them come. We wasn't even going to hand it to them. We were going to give them the opportunity to pick it up. So after our Bible story, our next station was snacks. These kids love snacks. It's no different than it is here when it's time to eat. On this particular day, the little girl you see right there, her name is Ellie. You can see that she could care nothing about her snack. All she cared about is the Bible. We told them. If they didn't read anything to read the book of John, she has her Bible open to the book of John. You can see some of the other ones as Steve goes to the next slides. These kids held on to these Bibles like they were the most prized possession. And it also made me think about how our Bibles we just throw in the back of the car till it's time for next Sunday. They sit on our nightstands collecting dust. We have multiple Bibles. But these children, this little boy right here was named Asher, and he kind of attached himself to me as well. 
he would not put it down. And I was like, Asher, you need to eat your snack. And uh, he's like, well, I want to read this. I said, well, what book did we tell you to read? And he said, the book of John. And um, he said, but I don't want to do John. I want to start from the beginning, and I'm going to read it from start to finish. And so that was just moved me. And then there's another picture of Elliot again. The kids around her were too loud. So she got her Bible and went and sat in the shade, and that's how she spent her snack time was reading her Bible. So I want you to pray for these children. I don't know what happened to those Bibles when we got home. Uh, we've made a few jokes with Misty. Some of the previous pictures you'll see of us at the closing, Misty's just sitting there like, what you don't know what Misty was looking at was the faces of these parents who were watching their children sing about Jesus. That's what caused Misty to sit there. Some of them were ecstatic, and some of them were furious that their children was praising Jesus. And so I just want you to remember these kids. Uh, we had a fabulous time. It's beautiful. Kristen and Derek and Awaken City Church need your prayers. You'll see in a little bit. Bill's going to show you some pictures. If I told you or Brent told you next Sunday when you got here to church before we could start, all these pews had to be set up, all this stuff had to be done, the sound system had to be rewired every Sunday morning, the children's area you'd have to set up just so you could have church. How many people would be here an hour and a, hour and a half early to make that happen? That's what happens at Awaken City every Sunday morning. And you'll see some of those pictures about what they go through. So I just want you to remember everything. Those kids, I can't wait to go back. If Brent called tomorrow and said, hey, Carrie, there's a need for us to go. Do you want to go? When do I be at the airport? You have no idea what these people are going through. Of course, I, I wouldn't teach anything like that, I guess, when I was you know, going through my career, 45 years, I was technical, and therefore, I've got a presentation. You know, it, just, it sort of just goes along, I guess, with me, uh, and uh, every time you have to have a in-process review or something like that, you pull out the PowerPoint presentation, you start putting something together. That's sort of what I'm used to, but I, I, and it sort of goes along a lot with what was you know, said by the others as well. You know, first, I guess myself, I want to thank you all for giving me the opportunity, you know, of going to Harriman and uh, being able to spend uh, the whole week there. I've been through Salt Lake City many times, but I've never stayed there, and therefore Salt Lake City has really surprised me, and really how much has grown as well, because all through Harriman, which is, you know, there's what, 65,000 people there now, it's loaded with new houses. And there's something you notice also, you see that all these new houses, all the underground utilities, there's no telephone poles above the ground or anything like that. But you, but you notice also right next to it, there'll be a, a vacant area. 
and there'll be wheat growing. You know, or a little bit further over, there'll be a, there'll be a, a paddock there with some horses or something like that where everything hasn't been consumed by civilization yet or, or the growth of the people, but probably eventually will be. But uh, in some of this, I don't know, it's just, okay. Go ahead and go to the next, next slide, Steve. And really, that, that's, we've already talked a little bit about this. Glenn had done the introduction, and, and therefore the others. And I want to say also, the, the group of people I went with, it was a pleasure spending the time with them. As a matter of fact, we would start early, would go all day, and because it, got, it was daylight so late in the evenings, it was like 10.30 every, every single night before we got back. And there was a, one night I think we got back a little bit early, and we'll show you what we did on that time. But go ahead and go to the, okay, probably go ahead and play the video, and, and, but something about this video also was that the energy, you had 130, about 130 children every day, fluctuate a little bit. I've never seen so many children together, you know, for a, a vacation Bible school or a kids camp. day I guess they had a, a schedule that would rotate 20 minutes per per different area you know the, the five areas and each of us worked in different areas and of course uh, when I got there I think Zeanne came up I guess I'm the only one volunteered to be in recreation and therefore because why is that a problem or you know in the south I guess when it's about, about what 95 degrees outside you can't stand it hard you get so wet out there because of low humidity it was easy to stay outside all day you just had to make sure you put sunscreen on because otherwise you'd burn up and uh, but anyway, I'll uh, go ahead and go to the next one. 
different churches that were, you know, you know, say Heflin Baptist Church, and of course we had Harrison and had Powell, and, and the different groups, you, know, you see Marcus uh, uh, Carson and, uh, and Gavin, which, which, which is the son, they were, they were from Harrison. Marcus, I think he was Harrison also, but he wasn't a family member to the, to the others. Uh, because large group of people, we had young group, we had older group at the same time. I chose to have the younger group, let Marcus and, and have the older group. And then Brad, uh, Bradley and Gavin, they were swapped depending on need. Uh, and therefore, you know, so I, when they told me I had recreation, I went and said, okay, what do we have? And therefore we had some hula hoops and had some uh, two uh, pool noodles and some volleyballs. So I thought, what do you do with that to, for recreation? So I went ahead and played hula hoop, uh, musical, musical hula hoops. Laid a, and they had 26 children in some of your classes, but you lay them out on the ground. And of course, you, I had some music on my telephone from, from Children's Church. I'd play it and stop and jump inside the hula hoops. And that worked pretty good. It, it seemed like they had almost never done that before. Like, like Misty was saying earlier, some of these things seem like they've never done it before. And then we played kickball one day with, with the beach ball. And probably advanced to the next one. Okay, and that's the group of people out there. Of course, you see the beautiful mountains in the background. Just below that, uh, where the fence is, there, there's a road there called Mountain View Drive or something like that. And it is. It, it just parallels the valley, looks off, looks off, and sees the, the mountains. They're very beautiful. Of course, it's loaded with houses now. But uh, with with the balls, of course, we we, we had uh, you know one day is, is kickball. They kick it. They didn't know what the, what the bases were. They start running one way, run the other way. One of them even run, grab the ball, and start running with the ball to first base. You know, it's almost like they'd never done anything like this before. But uh, we'll go to the next slide. See what happens. And and then about the third day or so, we went by and picked up some sidewalk chalk. You know, because I know my my grandchildren enjoy drawing all over my sidewalk. Which first time I think Julie got some got some chalk and brought. I said, do not put that on my driveway. But it's not permanent, and we did get permission from the school before doing this. I went and saw Deanne. Deanne called the school and said, you have permission. So we went and bought it. Uh, and, then, of course, you can see the beautiful pictures of the little girl you know, that they drew right there on the, on the sidewalk. And some were a little bit alarming, like the one Misty was showing earlier, but most of them were nice nice pictures that they drew uh, and tried to encourage them to say, you know, Jesus loves me, something like that, to write that onto the, the sidewalk as well. And, of course, it's hard to keep the older children from not drawing on the concrete also. Is that, uh, and, and you know, of course you can see it, you know, was it light of the world, Jesus? Uh, and that's what we, it was, it was a lot of fun. And of course, one day we tried something else too, is taking the, the uh, pool noodles and put a frisbee on top of it and try and have a, a relay to go across. Uh, that didn't work too good because there was a southern, southerly breeze every single day that was quite strong. And therefore, it didn't stay on there too long. So I went ahead and went back to the chalk and back to bubbles on the, the last day. And you see little Abby over there, which I, my oldest granddaughter's name, Abigail, and I thought she's cute. You know, they were blowing her bubbles. But they really, really enjoyed it like they've never done it before. Uh, next one. Okay, and the, the block parties. Uh, they don't do block parties very often. And the reason why, go ahead and go to the next one. You see these large inflatables? They're very, very heavy. There's, there, there's a, it takes a lot of muscle to be able to put these things up. Therefore, they only do the block parties when somebody is there to help out. Uh, and therefore, because everything that has to be put up takes time to put up, and it takes even more time to get it down, get it loaded. As a matter of fact, it's even kind of dangerous the way they load the thing in the, in, in the large trailer. Uh, but the children really enjoyed it. It's free. There's no pressure for any of the children or anything like that. Parents, they come up and they say, can we eat? They say, yes, you can. Come on, eat. But there's brochures, there's things available to tell a little, a little bit about Awakening City Church. 
church, we had hot dogs. We had a lot of hot dogs. Every, every day we had hot dogs to eat. And uh, we were hoping when we went to Derek and, and uh, Kristen's house, they weren't having hot dogs you know, on that Saturday. But, uh, and then we had some service projects also they wanted to do. And it seemed like they loaded us up with service projects. And the next photograph very quickly put us out in the sun doing painting black paint on the rails and you know how fast black paint dries in the in, you know about 95 degrees sun on black rails but anyway went ahead and did that Gwen and Nancy did and then we went to, to Harrison Elementary School we pressure washed blew things off covered things on, in, in, on the inside Gwen and Nancy did also likes to do that cover all the marks on the tile but we had to knock it off by 3.30 which is when the, when the, the people left to go home Like I was saying earlier, I, I don't remember if it was Carrie was saying a while ago, is that set up, it's not like you show up at the front door and they give you a bulletin and you go and sit down. Every, every time that they set up, all the chairs have to be pulled out. They all have to be set up. The sound system has to be set up. It has to make sure nobody's going to trip over the top of the wires that are all over the place. So was, I use a lot of masking tape to cover them. Uh, and, of course, the, the singers here uh, up, up front, which uh, I think is Jonathan, Emily, Shane, and, and Sarah. Shane is actually standing in right now because it's something, uh, I guess the regular guy, which Glenn all knows more about this, I guess he's just had twins are out right now, so Shane's stepping in. The, the music was absolutely beautiful. Okay, and then the next one. Oh, I'm sorry, but but then there, there, there's uh, Derek had a very nice message. Uh, and, and go ahead, next one. And of course, some, some of the people here, which I, I had to learn a lot of people this time, a lot of names, uh, and therefore you see on the Derek and Kristen, their family. I don't still don't have all the names on their children. And then there's Todd, Todd and Heather on the right. And these really, I guess, are probably pivotal as far as the families because Derek and and and, uh, and uh, Kristen, they came from Powell, uh, Tennessee. Okay. And then then uh, the others, uh, Todd and Heather, came from Harrison. So that really was the, the, the tie of those two churches in Fort Templeton. On the left, you can you see it's uh, it's Brandon and Emily and then Allie and. Will. They're all recently you know, joined the church, I believe. Okay, next thing. Okay, the one just on right between Carla and, and uh, to the right of, I guess, right of Carla uh, is uh, Deanne. And the story I heard from Deanne, I, I may have to get confirmation, is that really that uh, she just traveled. She felt led to be there. She just went out there. She lived out of her car for like seven months. You know, and, and stayed with other people more or less, kept herself seven months until she until she finally finally was able to get a house, get a job, and so forth. But yeah, she but she was super in organizing you know things there. Okay, next. You go ahead and go to the next one. Because uh, Misty already talked about a whole lot about the Bookhouse Ministries, about Sarah Tanner, and uh, you go ahead. And Sarah, she was very very good to talk with. It's interesting here the Beehive House. That's where where uh, Brigham Young lived. And all had all, all his wives, I guess, you know, in the, in these houses as well. But we couldn't tour it, couldn't go inside right now. Okay, next one. Uh, the the two buildings here, the left the, the left is the, the temple is under renovation, therefore we could not get close to it or view it. On the right side, the office building, I think as as I think Glenn was saying, it's the tallest building in Salt Lake City, and, and nobody else can build higher than that. Yeah. Okay, next. And the Capitol. It was quite nice to walk around the Capitol. It's almost like it was deserted. There was nobody seemed to be around there, but but it was very nice. And next, and we did hike 
back up to the top of Ensign Peak. Ensign Peak, I guess it was unique because it was a thousand foot above the bed of the, I guess, the valley. And therefore, you could go up there and you could look over the whole valley and you could actually plan things uh, and, and lay out the valley by, by this high, high hilltop. Yeah. And, and it actually, I think his journal says he, he actually named it there. But the next, go ahead, next one. The, the Great Salt Lakes, we all heard of stinks and everything else there. And it, so we didn't think about going there so much. We finally went to uh, Antelope Island. It actually is very crystal clear, very calm water. It does smell a bit, and there's brine flies flying around the side of it, which is kind of nasty. But uh, next, and then, of course, it went up to Big Cottonwood Canyon, drove all the way up to, to Silver Lake, which is quite pretty. Uh, you can just see the sands of Silver Lake. And then went over to, over, over was it Guardsman Pass, and came down into to Park, uh, Park City, uh, and therefore was able to see the Olympic Park. Which was which was which was very nice. You can see the pictures are rising at the top. We did not do the zip lines and stuff like that that were going on. They looked pretty pretty intense. But uh, anyway, I, just in closing, I say I, I I do thank everybody for giving us the opportunity of going to Salt Lake City. It was a growing experience for us, but it really did help them there. They need the support. And one thing that they is on their top of the prayer list is having a permanent building that they can actually start having their their services from. Thank you, Bill. Hey, guys, would y'all do me a favor? Just really thank this team again for their faithfulness and just going and serving. Hey, um, well, I just want to take just a few minutes, and I use that term rather loosely, amen. But no, I'm serious. Um, it's amazing when you look down in the valley, the valley is still 4,500 feet above sea level, just, you know, twice as big as Cheehaw, but other than that, no big deal. But what I want to communicate to you as a church family is, Johnny Hunt taught me a long time ago from conferences I went to, he said, son, if you don't see it before you see it, you'll never see it. And I can honestly tell you, I saw this years before I became your pastor. God put it in my heart years before that. For that, I'm grateful. But I want to remind you of just a few foundational things, and I want to give you a couple of things today to think about as we move forward because you'll hear me say over and over, this is not the ending point of mission. This is merely the first church planner partnership we have been a part of, but I believe there are many more to come. You see the burden on the hearts of the people who go and put their boots on the ground and actually interact with folks who look on the outside as though everything's okay, but inwardly they are spiritually bankrupt and starving to death and in need of a Savior. That's why we're there. That's why the folks from Harrison, Arkansas are there. That's why the people from Powell, Tennessee, I question, is too close to Knoxville to really know Jesus. But anyhow, and I mean, they gave Glenn a hard time with those orange veggie straws. They only let him eat orange all way. But uh, no, I, I, I say that just joking because we know that what makes us one is not where we are geographically, but who has changed us and transformed us from the inside out, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to get Tina to put these up real quick on the screen. You know, and I communicate these to you, I hope regularly, our core principles. And the reason I do that is, as a young pastor, I remember thinking, 
if I told the church something two weeks ago, they still remembered it. And then I realized sometimes they don't remember what I said two minutes ago, much less two weeks ago. So I want to consistently communicate these three core principles to you as a church family. They're on a banner by the front door. They're on a banner going into the Sunday school department. But this is real clear because I want all of you to be able to communicate, to commit to memory that if anybody says, why does your church exist? What is the driving force behind your church? And it's these three things, to share God's word, show God's love, and sin. God's people. We share God's word because it is the only message of eternal salvation. Those little boys and girls, and the reason some of their parents were not so happy is because the gospel is totally in contradiction to all of the work stuff that they have been taught through Mormonism. It is our message. Our ministry is, is that we show God's love here, there, and everywhere. But then I want to talk just a little bit about the mission because Sending God's people is a very important part of the gospel ministry. Ed Stetzer used to live, use this term, and I'll never forget it. He says, every Christian needs to, quote, live sent. I believe that. I've been sent, you've been sent, and we've been sent with a message and a ministry that can change the world. I really believe that. See, our mission is to send God's people, and that sending involves four places, Acts 1-8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We send people across the street, we send people around the country, and we send them, send them around the world. So I believe that's very important we understand. And I want to say to you what a blessing it has been to me to witness the way you've embraced it. I really believe next year, last year we had a team of two dozen prepared to go, 24 prepared to go before the pandemic and we, we just got really late to get there. But I believe next year they're, they're needing a big bunch. They're needing us to really send a bunch. I believe we're going to do that. And even though we've been through all this stuff with the pandemic, I believe our mission is clear. I read Tom Rainer's latest book, The Post-Quarantine Church. Let me share with you what he said. And it helped me because sometimes... I get frustrated when I don't see everything clearly. But he said this. He said, in the past, pastors have had a much clearer view of what is ahead. The pandemic has changed us all, and our vision for tomorrow is different than ever before. He said, you are navigating uncharted waters, and every day it will bring new challenges. And to lead successfully, you will have to pivot. To lead successfully, you will need to make changes on the fly. And boy, isn't that true. He said, this may be the last thing you want to hear. He's speaking directly to pastors. He said this, but to lead successfully in the post-quarantine church, you will have to lead without total clarity. You will have to lead with a lot of uncertainty. We can plan our mission endeavors three months, six months, nine months to a year, but we learn real quickly we may have to pivot. But it doesn't mean we're going to stop planning. It doesn't mean we're going to stop dreaming. And it doesn't mean we're going to stop leading. I really believe one of the keys for every local church in the Bible Belt and anywhere in this country and even around the world is that every church in the post-quarantine area must see their pastor as a missionary who has been sent to their community, 
not just to their church, but to their community to help equip and mobilize believers to accomplish Great Commission work. I really believe that and I hope you will embrace that and I hope you know that. I love people. I love the church. Jesus loved it so much that he went to the cross to purchase the church. I love helping and serving God's people but I also love seeing what happens when one of God's people catches a vision and catches a passion and gets on fire for the gospel and gets equipped to go across the street or around the world to share the gospel. No, I don't see it all, but I will tell you there's a few things I want to leave with you today as we praise God for what he did recently. When you see these people share and the passion and how God gripped their heart, I hope it grips yours. But I do see some things for tomorrow and I want to ask you to help me and pray about these things as we move forward. Three things I want you to know and I'm done. One, here we go. I believe that in the future of missions, God wants to use Heflin Baptist Church to equip multiple partners. I believe there are so many. You look across this country, and I know the first thing we say is we say, God can't use little old us to do big things like that. But too often, we look at God and tell him how big our problems are instead of looking at our problems and telling them how big our God is. I believe God wants to use us to equip multiple partners. There are so many places in this country. You don't have to look here. Glenn will tell you. He's been four times. These other people have been once. Many of you have been to Salt Lake City. You don't have to leave this country to feel like you're in another country. The oppression is overwhelming. And listen to me, Heflin Baptist Church. As we make a difference in the world for missions, we get on the radar of hell. Just as much as those people are oppressed, don't you think we are immune to the oppression? But I'll tell you what, I'd rather be oppressed by the devil doing what God called me to do than sitting over here comfortable, just at ease in Zion, not honoring God with my life or yours. I believe God wants to use us to equip multiple partners, and this is what you need to know. As I told you, it's not an ending point, it's a starting point. And you need to know, most of you do, but if you're new to our church, you need to know that this church... Uh, sets aside 5% of our missions budget to do just those things to equip people in this area and beyond those envelopes when you put a dollar you put a 5 you put a 20 you put a 50 you put a 100 or whatever it says Awaken City goes directly to that church so that they can have a place to worship so that they will have places to assemble equip multiple partners it's coming there will be more too I believe God wants to use us to encourage missional pastors I don't know about you but you, you, if, you, if you know a pastor love a pastor I hope you love me because I sure love you and there's nothing you can do to stop me but I want you I hope you if you have a pastor in your family or a friend or somebody you know you know the challenges that most people never know about but there are so many pastors in our country today, even in our region, that are missional with a heart for tomorrow, and they need somebody to help them just as people have been faithful to help me. I want to pass that on to others. I want to be an encouragement to pastors, especially those that have a heart for tomorrow, even if they've been wounded, even if they've gone through difficulty. Another part of our missions budget, this church has set aside in the past two years, 2% for rest ministries to encourage wounded and broken pastors that are just wore out. And we're going to begin to do that since we're past the post-pandemic, and we're going to be able to embrace 
and encourage missional pastors. And then thirdly, here's the biggest thing. I believe God wants to use us to evangelize more people. Don't you? I believe he wants us to evangelize people right here in our town from our front door, our Jerusalem, and he wants us to go forth from here. We're not flying over the mission field. There's so much that Heflin Baptist Church does and will continue to do right here in Cleveland County that a lot of folks don't ever know a whole lot about because we don't think we're here to toot our own horn. Y'all all right? Amen? Everything we do is to point people to Jesus. Evangelizing more people is the key because so many people are lost. When you go to Utah and you look in the eyes of 100 people and they tell you 98, 98 of them don't know Jesus, that ought to shake you. But can I tell you, in the Bible Belt, there's a whole lot of people that have a head knowledge of God that have never been transformed, never repented of their sins, never been born again. They've got their name on a roll. They've been dipped in the creek, but they still don't know Jesus, and that ought to burden our hearts. So here's the deal. The challenge has been laid. It's what Rainer said. We cannot and must not return to the days of comfort and routine. We must move forward with great commission obedience and sacrifice. The challenge has been laid, and here's the challenge for you as members of Heflin Baptist Church. As members of the body of Christ, if you know Jesus as Savior, the challenge is for you. Where do you fit in the mission? Where will you get a burden? Where will God use you to touch the next generation? I'm so excited about a local opportunity. I had this landed in my lap. My buddy Jackson here, he's got himself and four of his teammates that when school starts on Mondays, me and Jackson, four of his teammates, are going to meet for devotion and prayer so that I can hopefully invest, mentor, and encourage these young boys to live godly in this present world. Now, the reason I tell you that is, is it's not for me. Hey, Jackson made that happen. He made that happen. You know what? He just allowed his old fuddy-duddy 50-year-old preacher to be a part of that. Amen? And I'm excited. But what I want to say to you is who and where will you invest in those who come behind you? Yes, you must do it at home. The light that shines the farthest always shines, the, the light that shines the farthest and the brightest always shines the brightest at home. I believe that. But it can't only be here. It has to be here, there, and everywhere. I'll never forget the day God burdened my heart. I was cutting grass in Taylorsville, Georgia, and God burdened my heart about Salt Lake City, Utah. I've been praying for a year for God to show me which city of those 32. And I'll never forget, and you know what I said to the Lord? I don't know if I can do that. You know why I'm telling you that? Because you're saying the same things. And I want you to know I'm as human as anybody in this room. And here's what God spoke to my heart on my red snapper in Taylorville, Georgia. He said, you're right, son. You can't. But if you will surrender yourself to me, I can. Church, let's stop telling God what we can't do. And let's start surrendering what he said he wants to do through us. Where do you fit? 
In just a moment, I'm going to give an invitation, and here's the invitation. Maybe today you'd say, I've been saying I can't. And you might feel embarrassed. Don't you be embarrassed. Don't you be ashamed. Because we've all told God what we can't do. But maybe you'd find a place today in an altar and say, God, would you show me where you want me? Uh, maybe you got here today and you saw the, 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 the slides and you saw the kids and you got a burden for that. It broke your heart and you just want to come get before God and say, oh God, help us touch those youngins out there. Maybe you thought about the little boy that's scared to go to sleep. Maybe you thought about Asher. Maybe you thought about all those other little girls and boys and maybe you thought about what they might have had to go home to after they praised Jesus at that kid's camp. Maybe you need to talk to the Lord about them. Or maybe you'd just say, Lord, I'm like Isaiah. Here am I. Send me. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the day you've given us. I thank you for the privilege it is ours to be here today. Lord, at this invitation, here is my prayer, is that our hearts would be captured about the mission that our hearts would be captured most of all by the master of the mission. And God, that you would help us as a church to prepare to equip missional pastors in the future to become more mobilized, more strategic in our mission's efforts. That God, we would look for multiple partners. God, as we seek to evangelize more people in more places. Because God, I am of the humble conviction today that you can take little old us, fill us with your power and spirit. And God, you can do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. Break our hearts, Lord, for what breaks yours. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want you to stand with me and look this way. Marty's about to lead us, and we're going to sing. But as God has spoken to your heart today, Lord, where do I fit? Lord, where do you want to use me? Lord, I'm ready. Send me. Whatever God leads you to do today on this invitation, you honor the Lord. Marty, sing when you're ready. Jesus is tender.